Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have a very awesome guest, my friend, Christine. Christine, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Hey there, Dave. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, You're very welcome. I I very much appreciate, uh, for those of you that don't know, Christine does write for Servants of Grace and she's written it for a magazine. She writes uh, all over the place. Uh, Gosh, uh, Risen Motherhood, the Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, you know, uh, you have a podcast with IBCD. I know you'll share about, and that, that's that's just awesome. I'm very blessed and very thankful <laughs> for all those opportunities, for sure. It's it's quite astonishing. Yes, I, I, and I and I love seeing our team. Uh, really do. I really love. I know I've told you this privately, but I actually really love. Uh, part probably part of my favorite part of my job is to see our team uh, writing other places and, and doing well at that. So, and you have been a very gracious <laughs> editor. So thank you, Dave, for all your content encouragement and support yeah well hey can you just tell us a little bit about your life marriage ministry and what are you working on ministry project wise sure yeah so uh i live with my husband and three children in the upstate of south carolina and we attend church here in easley trinity point church and we really uh, love that church family and we're just so thankful it's actually a church right across the street from our house and so we don't have to travel very far (laughs) to go and fellowship with our church family and I, as they said, I'm a writer, an author, a podcast host for IBCD's Hope and Help podcast, where we have biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. And that's really the bulk of my ministry is just in writing and in podcasting. But the Lord has been gracious to give me opportunities to speak as well. And so just trying to be faithful with that and uh, take those opportunities as, as they come. And I'm just really thankful, you know, for the opportunity here with this specific book we're talking about help my team is depressed uh, to really steward that our family's story and really my life story into uh, an effort or a resource that hopefully will bring comfort and hope to families who are walking through similar situations. Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, can you, uh, yeah, well, you already started to tell us, hey, hey, just tell us a little more about, you know, maybe the series, a uh, life change series, I think that is, and, uh, you know, why you wrote it, what, 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 how did this book come into being, those types? Sure. So help my team is depressed is part of the lifeline mini book series offered by shepherd press and it's available now online for purchase but really the driving force behind that mini book is i'm really just sharing our family's experiences in caring for a depressed teen and i want to be sure always when i'm talking about this to tell the listeners tell whoever is is listening to me talk that my daughter has given us you know the full support of sharing a limited amount 
of our family's journey. And so I don't share all the information, but just enough to really help people to identify with us if they are in a similar situation. Um, and just, I just want to be sure I put out that disclosure that she knows that I talk about it on a limited basis. And of course, respect her courage for allowing me to do that for the purposes of helping other people. And so this resource really serves to fill a gap in, you know, biblical resources for parents who are having to come alongside a child who is experiencing depression. And it's not always a clinical depression or something that someone has been officially diagnosed with, but I'm sure as parents are watching their children navigate junior high and high school, they're starting to see the brokenness exposed by peer interactions, social media, bullying, and all the different things that one would walk through during that season of life. And we were not immune to that. Now, our child season of depression came on the heels of an autoimmune disease diagnosis that basically crippled her for two months and forced her out of school for her entire seventh grade year. And it was a really devastating time for her. It was a devastating time for our family. Not once did I ever think that we would ever be in a position where we would need to walk a child through depression. And Dave, you know, some people are familiar with my background, but in case your listeners are not, I personally have walked through significant seasons of depression, suicidal ideation, self-harm temptations, panic attacks, and the whole real yucky gamut of those types of experiences. I, I personally walked through myself, and even still, with all that history of mine, I never once considered, it never even occurred to me, my child might struggle in similar ways. And so for me, if I didn't at all even think about it, well, let alone what about the parent who's never personally experienced any kind of depression or fear and anxiety uh, to a point where it might be debilitating or interfering with their everyday life. And so my heart for the book is really just to comfort others with the comfort that I received personally walking through depression on and off for 20 years, but then also the comforts that we as a family receive and the encouragement and the biblical wisdom we received as a family walking our child through depression. And so that's really the heart of the book. So that was really the heart of the project was hopefully to use the comforts that we've received from God to then comfort other families who are walking through similar situations and feeling helpless to help their depressed teen. Yeah, that's it's it's a it's a really good book. I, I, Christine, you gave me the honor of, of endorsing it, which I, I always consider I always consider that a, an, an honor because it is and and it's humbling. Um, and I, I have a history of, of depression as well, chronic severe depression, in fact, um, in my in my teen years. So so we'll talk about that a little bit as as we work through these questions but I, I just encourage parents right off the bat to, to get this the, get this book by the caseload you know there's there's kids all around you that your your kids know that are that are experiencing depression and they could really be helped by this so thank you Dave for that I appreciate it mm-hmm. well how did you and your husband handle the depression of your child you know this is one of the things that I have yet to speak publicly on and I'm so thankful that you're asking this question Dave because it is really important to consider now not every parent who is walking alongside a depressed teen is in a marriage relationship, you know, so it may not uh, be uh, something that addresses everyone, but if you are married and, you know, you're a husband and wife dealing with a child who is depressed, I mean, I cannot even begin to tell you how difficult just the relationship with your spouse is during that time and how much your suffering, struggling child will serve to expose 
you know, differences and conflict in your own relationship with your spouse. And the reason being, I think, is because, you know, we each come into the marriage relationship with our own history, our own backgrounds, and, you know, to some degree, some worldview influences. And maybe one spouse, you know, has dealt with depression and can, you know, more greatly empathize with this struggling child. And perhaps the other spouse has never experienced anything like that. They can't relate in any possible way. And to them, it's just more of a, well, gosh, what do you have to be so upset about? Just snap out of it and get on with life. And so even in the context of marriage, caring for a depressed child can really bring up a significant amount of arguments, of differing in opinions, different approaches to treatment. One parent might believe, well, this is what we need to do. We need medicine. We need a doctor. We need, you know, medical intervention. Another parent might say, let's slow down the horse here. Let's, you know, consider some other options. I think this is the best way. And so really what it came down to, Dave, and I'm not saying we did this perfect. In fact, we really, really suffered for a good long while to finally figure out that what we needed to do was not to try to get each other to submit to one person's opinion about how to care for her or another person's opinion. We both needed to come under God's word. What does God say about how to care for a depressed child? Because he talks about it in the scriptures. And so again, boiling it down to let's both as a husband and wife come under the authority of God and model our care for our child after his care. That is really when we started to have a breakthrough and we weren't necessarily anymore butting heads or, you know, feeling like we're on different teams, but we're like, look, we may have our strengths, we may have our weaknesses, and God has put us as parents of this child, not by accident, by design. We're on the front lines, as Paul David Tripp would say, we're first responders in this situation. The most important thing, step number one, is we as a married couple need to come under the authority of God and model our care after him and after what he says in his word. Not try to get to my husband to submit to what I think care should look like and vice versa. And so I think that's something that people will note if they haven't already, that that is really a struggle. And um, But it's something that, you know, through the Holy Spirit, we can learn to humble ourselves, to, you know, come back together on the same team. And maybe that's not everyone's experience in marriage. Maybe, you know, that's not an area of contention for them and they haven't reached that battle, but that's just been my personal experience and so i feel like it's you know worth just kind of giving that caution i, I think that's really good and and what that shows is uh well what what happens when we obey as a couple and it also shows that that the most essential thing is is obedience um right. and that is uh that's really good and, and i pr- especially appreciate the fact that you didn't necessarily set forth a formula um obedience isn't a formula <laughs> in the first place it's 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 just that we we obey you know right. uh because of because of jesus and the grace that he provides through the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's that's the most basic thing. And but it's the most essential thing. And I, and I said this the other day to somebody, the most basic things are the most profound things. And if you think right. about that, that's I know that gets pretty heavy pretty quick, but it's uh, it's true. So yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah. What what uh, what place does the local church have in, in helping teens who are depressed? Well, I think the local church, I'll just speak from our experience, you know, does offer a, a significant amount of support and resources. Now, I will say that, you know, a lot of churches 
don't necessarily equip themselves to offer biblical resources on the topic. And I think that that's improving and we can praise God for, you know, for the ways he's working to introduce biblical counseling into the local church. But even still, I think that the Lord works just through the ministry of presence with being in fellowship with the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is that there are a variety of ways. There's not just one answer here. And I think that that's really important to understand. There's not, like you said, one formula. There's not one way that we just have a fix-it mentality and we can, you know, follow a checklist and solve this problem. It really has to be expressed day in and day out through abiding in Christ and being supported in community. And for our team, one of the ways they can find that support is by being connected to, you know, a student pastor and the student ministry. But Dave, I will tell you that because of, you know, a unique challenge for a teenager walking through depression, especially in the context of school and in their peers, is that kids are just mean and they can say really insensitive things. And for some strange reason, in some school context and even in small group context, and I report this because this is what I've heard from my daughter, so it may not be true everywhere, but I don't think it might come as a surprise to some people to know that kids joke about suicide. They joke about hurting yourself or cutting yourself and they use their words really flippantly and they do not understand the impact that what they say can have on children who are suffering in silence. And so sometimes we might even experience our depressed child not want to participate in a student group at church or not want even to go to church because they've experienced or heard something from someone in that group that has really hurt and wounded them, but they haven't shared that with us. And so as parents, we really need to be mindful that there's a million things going on in the heart and the head of our depressed child. And we may be aware of just a handful of them. And so we just need to be sensitive to to that. But the church can provide, you know, something as simple as if you're connected in a small group, but you have your small group pray for your family. You can have your small group, you know, sometimes if it's severe to the point where maybe your child has been hospitalized, the small group can rally around you and provide meals, can provide prayer and encouragement because we cannot do this alone. You know, there's that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that that's true in this particular circumstance, that it takes a church body to walk a child through depression. And it doesn't mean we're walking them to solutions and lifelong, you know, solving their problems. It means, look, who is going to walk by them day by day and help them to interpret the pain and suffering that they're enduring, help them to take a look at the sin that may be involved in the experience. If, if it didn't necessarily originate with some sin action, then how could they perhaps be responding to these overwhelming emotions in simple ways? And how can we approach God, you know, together and, and receive forgiveness and repent and try to transform our, our, our work in tandem with the spirit to transform our hearts and our thinking. All of these things cannot be done alone. A family walking a child through depression is not going to receive the sustaining grace that is available to them in Christ by isolating themselves and keeping it a secret. We have to invite others into the struggle because that is God's design. It's part of how the Holy Spirit helps us in times of need by working through the body of Christ to support us as caregivers because we will feel burdened and helpless, but also to rally around the child and let them know, look, even if you're walking through a season of sorrow and depression, and you may not even understand why that's happening, we love you. And you're, you're, the way that you're feeling today 
doesn't dictate your involvement in the body of Christ. You are welcomed. You are adored. We want to support you and love you. And we don't have all the answers. We can't fix all the problems, but we want to be here and walk alongside you because that's what we're called to. And because that's what Jesus does for us every day of our lives. Yeah, that's, that's really, really well said. I want to, I want to key in on something you said about uh, the student pastor, because when I was in, when I was in youth group, I, I was, uh, I was the kid that needed the, a lot of help. I was on, uh, when I was a teen, I was on Depakote, Wellbutrin, and Zoloft. Um, they put cancer patients on, on the level of medications that I was on. I was seeing a professional psychologist. Um, my parents were going through a, a very uh, painful divorce um, early on, and well, the, the process of it culminated really in, in my uh, sophomore year in high school, and uh, it, it ravaged me. It, it took about a decade, really, for me to get over that, and um, until I got married. <laughs> and then I met my wife and I felt like I, I was a new person again, really. Um, she she was uh, a, a means of grace to me and uh, she's she's such a blessing. As, as I talk about on social media all the time, she she literally, God used her to change my life. And, um, but yeah, I, I would just say, yeah, the, the youth pastor and the youth, the youth elder that I had, they came alongside of me. They they supported me. They they prayed for me. They did life with me. They, they showed me, um, and, and later on I realized this, they were providing a, a godly example for me. But this is what mm-hmm. this is what a man is. This is what it looks like. They didn't have that at the time, unfortunately. And and they and they just walked alongside of me. They cared about me. It, it's no small thing for me to say this. And and I and I do believe in I do believe in the the perseverance of the saints. But I also believe that God uses His people. And I and I don't think I know that God would always hold me fast in those things. But I don't think I would be a Christian without without God putting those uh, still be a Christian without God putting those uh, men in my life to to walk alongside of me in in that uh, particular season because it, it was hard you know I, I played sports I, I I was very good at sports in my in my teens um, I still play golf and I'm, I'm still very good at it and I'm not bragging about that I'm I'm actually a, uh, was I was in high school a scratch golfer I played varsity golf so I, I I was I was very good and yeah just just doing life with one another and having that that care and that support and that love um, is is just so important you, you can't if you're a youth pastor or a youth elder or just a church member I would just say you know and you see a team that's struggling uh, listen to that what I just said and and really take that to heart and walk alongside them and love them because you you can you can literally be a, a huge example and and just just to just to help to them in that in that season I I agree Dave and I think what the tempting thing I think when it comes to issues like depression or you know spiritual or emotional struggles that people are enduring is that we can't necessarily see the problem and we don't know exactly what to do to fix it. And I think in those confusing times when we are really stripped of all of our resources and our power, you know, we're not sovereign over people's hearts. We're not changing any hearts. You know, that's not our call. I always personally, through this experience of caring for our child, had to fall back on and surrender my own pride to the fact of what are the what are the greatest commandments? Okay, um, to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love my neighbor as myself. If you can figure out nothing else to do for your child who is depressed, you can know for sure you're supposed to do those two things. And so what does that look like? <laughs> if you're a pastor, like Dave was talking about, if you're a student pastor and you don't know, you know, this kid that you're ministering to is having a hard time and you're like, I don't even know where to begin with helping this child. Well, you go back to the default. What is the holy default? You know, what does God tell us to do? And again, I cannot tell you how many times I had to, you know, well, not me, but the 
Holy Spirit stopped me dead in my tracks. Say, Christine, what am I calling to you in this moment? Love God and love your child. And what does that look like for this day? And so we get, you know, overwhelmed by trying to find solutions and all these things. And those are important. We need to be diligent and seek wise help and, and wisdom for the, you know, situation. But I think just as a general rule, falling back on, you know, those two uh, commandments, I think has just been a powerful guiding force in, in our own walk with our child. And I think it can be for others as well. Yeah, that that's really good. What would be your, your best advice be to a parent of a depressed teen? You know, I love this question. Yeah, I was actually asked at a conference I spoke at a few weeks ago. And, you know, hands down, without a doubt, the one thing that I would say to a parent who is walking alongside or a caregiver walking alongside a depressed teen is that you are not called to fix your child. You are called to love them. They are not a problem to solve. They are a person to love. And we get really impatient with people's brokenness. We get really impatient, especially when people are walking through things that we don't necessarily understand or we can't relate to. And so we see their tears, we see their hurt, we see their angry outbursts or their seemingly, you know, erratic behavior. And we just think, man, what is going on? Can't they just get on with it? This is really doesn't need to be this hard, you know? Uh, and so people don't ever want to be, want to feel like you're trying to fix them. I don't know if you've ever come across, you know, sometime when someone has come up to you and said, hey, you know, you're really doing this wrong and you really should be doing this, that, and the other thing. And you're in the middle of, you know, crying or you're, you're having some in, internal struggle with the Holy Spirit who's trying to work with you, but someone else is just kind of observing your, your behaviors and thinking that you're, you know, participating in some kind of sin. I think of the story of Hannah when she was at the, uh, Daniel, I'm going off the top of my head. So I think she was at the temple or she was at some place of worship. And uh, I think it was, who was it? Eli? Yes. Okay. Uh, and again, I have not, I'm going on the fly here, but I think it was Eli or someone who, who saw Hannah, you know, lamenting and praying in secret quietly to God and mumbling and almost. And he thought that she was just there and kind of in a stupefied, drunken state. And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm praying to God. I'm pouring my heart out here, you know? And so even he kind of misjudged the situation. And I think we can very easily as parents misjudge uh, our children's experience of depression because look we can't we don't know their motivations we don't know what's going on in their heart there are things happening in their life through social media at school maybe even family secret family abuses that somebody is hurting them and they are too shamed to even say anything there's just we have to know we're not omniscient there are things going on in this child's life that we don't know about and that we have to trust that god will hopefully reveal to us but we need to be compassionate and not treat them as a problem to fix so that we can move on with this inconvenience and go on with the rest of our day but to slow down and realize this this kid needs my love and compassion first and foremost to identify with them in their pain to weep with those who weep to mourn if they're mourning and to identify with them as a fellow sinner oh look son or daughter i struggle too and sometimes i don't even know what to do about it you know so let's go to the throne of grace together i don't have answers to fix your problems but 
I know who can be with us when we are struggling, and it's the Lord. And so I want to pray for you in this moment. And then I want to just be with you. What We can do an activity together, or we can just sit and watch a show. But I think because of social media and the various distractions that parents and caregivers have, you know, we're just not making a concerted effort to connect with our kids and to really disciple them, to teach them how to respond to life's challenging problems, to respond to grief and sorrow and shame. Nobody just knows how to do that, you know? And I think sometimes we think that our kids should just know and that when they don't, they're doing something wrong and they need to figure it out. It's like we're in charge to help them with that. You know, again, going back to the statement of Paul David Tripp, we're first responders, but God has positioned us to help. And so we need to answer that call and to treat our child as a person to love and not a problem to fix. Yeah, but that says everything right there. That's that's a great answer. What, what are some specific uh, challenges to teenage depression that make it unique? Well, I will say that the one particular challenge, well, there are many, but, but I will say one I think that's common that people have questioned about is the issue of medication. While I'm not a doctor, I'm not offering medical advice, I'm simply just sharing information, you know, we do need to be careful. We need to be careful about uh, deciding whether or not that is something that is going to be a benefit to our child. And studies show, you know, medical studies show that in teens that there, I think there was a study I quote in the mini book about 14 different commonly prescribed antidepressants. And just the reality that in the testing that they did, there was really no benefit to the children who were taking these 14, not all of them at the same time, of course, but you know, they tested all the different medications and there really wasn't one that rose up to the top of the group and said, oh, this was the magical pill. In fact, the dangers, I would say, of getting our children onto antidepressants far outweigh the supposed benefits. And I share that from the perspective of someone who was heavily medicated as a teenager, like, and Dave, you, um, you know, talked about that a bit in your own story, but also as someone who walked alongside a child who had negative effects and experienced the difficulties. And so I will just tell you that there are there are warnings on medicines that indicate that specifically for this age group, antidepressants can have an, uh, a significant impact on our child's self-harm urges, on our child's suicidal thinking and suicidal ideation. And so we need to be so careful because we could end up prolonging or exasperating the various uh, temptations that they're having to harm themselves by giving them a medication that is really only serving to make it worse instead of better. I don't think that we ever intend on that, you know, but it's something we need to be mindful of. So, and it's specific to teens. Those those numbers in that report, you know, are it's not as uh, significant of an issue in adults, but specifically for teens it is. And then the other thing I would say that we need to be mindful of is something that I mentioned, you know, earlier in a couple answers ago is just the school context. You know, if your child is walking through a season of depression, their cognitive abilities in terms of their ability to concentrate, to intake information, to read, to sit still, all of these things are going to be impacted. And so we need to be mindful that if they are struggling in school, 
school, they're going to need some extra support. And it may be that we need to reach out to the teachers, you know, with the support of the student. We don't necessarily go behind their back and start, you know, saying a bunch of stuff that they're not knowing you're doing that out of an intention of helping them, but to reach out to the teachers and say, look, you know, our family's walking through this particular situation and we're doing what we can, but this child needs some extra support. What, what does the school offer? What can we do to partner with the teachers to try to accommodate if we're able uh, so that as we navigate the season, the child is not so incredibly burdened by their inability because, you know, and they even if their child is on medication, that in and of itself can have side effects that impact their ability to perform at school. And so really, I think those are the top two things that I would say are specific to this age group that we might not consider initially, but that are really important and can have significant impact on the teens and the family's daily life. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's really wise what you said. I, I'm just going to say as a teenager, um, and I shared part of my story, you know, what I didn't share is uh, God, and I, I think I've told you this, Christine, and you're like, I don't think I've ever heard this. So if you've never heard of this before, then, uh, you know, God in the Bible, he uses a donkey to speak. And uh, in my life, God used a, a Wiccan atheist uh, to take me off medicine. And, and within a month, um, I mentioned I was playing golf uh, at this at this high school. The varsity golf coach said, uh, came up to me and said, hey, I noticed a change in you and other people are noticing a change in you. I don't know what, what the change is. And I'm like, and then I had to think about it. I'm like, well, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. So that there's that. Uh, <laughs> but, but they were talking about something else. They were talking about like my emotional and just my overall disposition. Then I remembered, yeah, I, I just got off medicine. You know, I was on right. all that medicine. And I, I was trying to, I was trying to tell my wife when, when we were talking about this interview the other day at, at dinner, I was like, the, the, the way that I describe it is it's like, it's like being in a fog and you have zero motivation. Really? I had, I had zero motivation that the only thing that I, that, I mean, I love to go to church at this time. I, I read my Bible. I, I was a voracious reader. Um, but, but I, I love to play golf and that was where I went because I knew I was good at it. I knew mm-hmm. I could do it. And instead of going to school, I went to the golf course and, um, cause that, that was kind of where I knew I could, I could do something that would be, that would be good. And I was good at it. And, you know, I, I got a lot of meaning and value and worth out of that. And God had to work on me on that. But, but getting off the medicine for me was just so pivotal. And I don't ever want to say that, you know, you should, um, follow my example on that, that you should just right. get off the medicine. I, I want the, the lady was a, was a nurse, but I would, I would say, you know, a parent should really look at what, consider what you just said, because, um, it can have adverse effects. It was having, in my case, very adverse effects. And, um, you know, my mom was doing, um, my mom was doing her best. My parents were doing their best as, as you said, and, and, um, you know, just, just be really, really cautious. I would just say, be really cautious. I'm, I'm not anti-medicine. I think that there is a place for that. And I, and I want that just, just to share that, but just be really, really cautious with medicine and, and really, um, study it, um, study what it does, you know, study, uh, ask a lot, ask more questions, um, and just be really slow about putting, I would say, just be really slow about putting your kids on, on medicine because a lot of the times the doctors, they just get paid to put kids on medicine and, right. and, um, you, you need to hear that too. So I was, I was one of those kids. So, um, I didn't need to be, I personally didn't need to be on medicine. I've been medicine free since I was, um, let's see, that was 18. So, uh, 21 years. So I, I don't, I don't, didn't need it. 
and there was a noticeable change that people noticed in me and I've been fine um, since then. Yeah, well, amen. Praise God for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, where can people go out, go to find more about your work <clears throat> online, either on social media or otherwise? Well, my main website is Christine M, as in Michelle, chapel.com. And christinechapel.com, just for your own awareness, was like $2,100. And so I went with christinemchapel.com. I was not going to spend that much money to secure a domain. So that's why it's christinemchapel.com. And if you go there, that really is the hub for all of the things that I'm doing. So various the books, uh, podcast interviews that I host on IBCD's Hope and Help podcast, the interviews that I'm doing specifically for this book and all the publicity that, you know, and marketing stuff that goes on with that. So that's really the hub where you can find all the different articles I've written, such as on Servants of Grace and Desiring God. Um, there are two articles I've written on this topic before. In fact, the first one was at Desiring God, and then there was a second one last fall on how to talk to your depressed child, and so those resources are available online. And I think that's about it. That's the best way. I mean, I'm on the social medias also, and links to those profiles are on my website. So really, if you go to my website, you should be able to, to find enough of, of me that you need. <laughs> Everything that you need is there. Okay. So yeah, guys, you can, you can also find uh, Christine's stuff on Servants of Grace, links to her website, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and um, I encourage you to follow her. So yeah. Hey, just tell us a little bit of, really quick about how the IBCD podcast is going since you've moved over. That that just recently happened, I know. Yeah, so I was so thankful that they offered to have me bring my podcast under their ministry umbrella at the end of last year, and we have been running new episodes for the last month or so, uh, branded as the IBCD podcast. And so I'm really thankful for the opportunity. The lineup of guests that we have running through June is just remarkable. And so if you have not ever heard of the Hope and Help podcast, we, as I said at the beginning, you know, offer compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. And really the goal and the heart behind that podcast is to bring gospel hope and help to the everyday Christian who may not really understand how their faith intersects with some of the challenges that they're facing in their life. And we do not shy away from hard topics. In fact, it is my heart to tackle the hard topics. Uh, coming up, we have uh, an episode, for instance, on pursuing restoration after an affair. We've talked about pornography addiction, post-abortive trauma. We've addressed depression. We've also addressed teen anxiety. I mean, everywhere from grief to lament to self-focus. I mean, really, we're trying to have as many episodes as possible so that we can demonstrate to people that God's Word really does speak powerfully into all of life's challenging problems. And we want to help people understand how exactly that works in a way that can benefit them if they're struggling with a particular situation, but can also help to equip them to come alongside others in compassionate and graceful yet truthful uh, God-honoring ways. And so I hope it's a blessing. I'm really excited to see what the Lord has in store for it. But so far, I'm just plugging away every week, trying to push out episodes like you are, Dave, and hoping and praying that the Lord gets them where they need to go. Amen. Yeah, you do a great job. So I, I enjoy listening. Uh, I don't know, listen all the time or a lot. I don't listen to much of anything, but uh, <laughs> I, I've enjoyed listening to the few shows that I have. So I appreciate well, your thank work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, just just as we wrap up, Christine, you know, there's there's a really a lot that we could cover on on this subject. And just as we wrap up, do you have a few takeaways? I think if you left with nothing else, like I had mentioned in the middle of the interview, is what you will be so greatly helped by remembering those commandments 
parents that I talked about and that your child is not a problem to fix. God has not tasked you with fixing your teen's depression. And that may not make you very happy. <laughs> that may make you feel like, well, I don't have time for this. Or it may really challenge you and your own heart. And I truly believe that walking alongside anyone who is uh, experiencing depression, God is using that person to sanctify you. Yes, they are. God is working in that person's life in very intimate and sometimes even in ways that we don't see, get to see. But he is also using that person as an instrument of sanctification in your own life to challenge you to love that other person as humbly and as faithfully as Christ has loved you. Mm. And so really walking away from today's episode with just an encouragement that you don't have that burden on your shoulders to fix your child. We do have the power by the Holy Spirit to love and encourage them and disciple them through it. He will help us to do that. And that's what we're called to do, not to fix the problem, but to love them through Christian community and through servant leadership and discipleship and in the context of the local church. We don't even have to do it by ourselves. What a glorious God who gives us so many biblical resources to be able to care for our child well. And that may not mean their problems are solved overnight. And it may mean there are a lot more tears on the horizon and situations that you don't understand how to navigate, but God is faithful to walk with us through it. And if not, if we know nothing else, we know that we are to glorify him in the midst of it. And we can do that by serving our child well and caring for them in the way that God models care for his despondent ones. Amen, sister. Amen. Well said. Well, guys, uh, this book is Help My Teen is Depressed. It's, it's very good. I mentioned I endorsed it. Um, a number of people have, and I, I, I just highly recommend this this resource. Um, I think that it's it's helpful. Like I said, I encourage you to get a box of them and hand them out. Uh, to, if you're a youth pastor, get, get get a couple boxes. They're not that expensive, and and hand them out. You know, as as needed, and obviously as appropriate. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying have a line coming out. You know, going out of the of the youth group where you're just handing these out. You know, that that would be awkward. Don't do that. But uh, you know, as appropriate, get get this book. It, it's it's helpful. So, Christine, I, I really appreciate I really appreciate uh, your time and and your heart behind the book and your writing ministry is a blessing to many people. And just continue to pray that the Lord would would use you and for the success of this book. Thank you so much, Dave, for having this conversation and just hosting it for the purposes of helping others. I'm really really thankful for all the hard work that you do behind the scenes at Servants of Grace and through your podcast. I don't think that people really know how much time and energy goes into pulling off all of this content production, but I personally am very thankful for it. And I know that there are others who, you know, uh, thrive on the content that you uh, help to steward into the body of Christ. And so just thank you for that. Oh, thanks, sister. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.